How you doing, everybody? This is Dennis Michelson. It's time for the Data Lab. This is where all the heavy lifting numbers gets done to hopefully make you a smarter fantasy football player. I know it's working for us, and it'll work for you if you just pay attention to the lesson plans. And if we're going to have lesson plans, we need a professor, and we've got the best professor around. It's John Bush. No, no phony professors. John, the real thing. Real deal. Yeah, uh, Dennis, it's uh, week four. We'll have a wonderful Thursday game and a wonderful, I guess, England game, 930. And you know I hate both of those. Uh, I always feel like we leave points on the table. So I'm expecting uh, underwhelmingness to continue here. Uh, and if you hear a rattle, one of my dogs is scratching on the floor here. And it's just, <laughs> the sound is carrying there. So anyway, uh, Miami just showed us what fantasy could be if every team was Miami. That would be so great to have tons of points uh, all the time. What was it, eight touchdowns or something? Ten touchdowns. Ten touchdowns. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine if somebody started and played them both, right? Who would have played them both, right? Uh, except Dennis, our, our one who taught me that play called Play Them Both, and I know you uh, uh, executed that with uh, Kansas City last week. You, you and I were texting the McKinnon-Hilaire play them both, and, and I was saying, well, Miami, that would be the ultimate play them both. And I played them, but not in together in my daily fantasy. So I won a, a little, you know, chump change, but I, if I would have put them both together, you know, I'm sure I would have made lots of money, but that just happens in daily fantasy. You're always one player short. You never bet enough on the winners. And that's what uh, I I was excited about is just seeing all those points. That's what I like is lots of points for my, my teams there. And I know you were happy about Kansas City as well last week. Oh, yeah. Lots of points up on the board and some guys that were value plays. You get them cheap. You get them mm -hmm. for almost nothing. And you can insert them into a starting lineup. And with all the injuries that we've had at running back, some of my teams, I just worry about running backs from week to week. Who can you pick up? Who can you grab? Who is likely to step up and have a big game? Knew that Kansas City-Chicago game was likely to be a blowout if the if the statistics led to the right outcome. And so I knew I could get away with playing my free running backs. Pacheco cost you something in the draft. But McKinnon, CEH, they were virtually free in most drafts. And sometimes you could pick them up on waivers just for the week. And I did some of that as well. But... Miami, my goodness, somebody needs to go into their Madden account and change the settings because their their settings are too low for that offense. It's it's amazing. And here's the even more incredible thing. They were missing one of the most dynamic players. Waddle was out. 
Could you imagine how many points they would have put up with Waddle? I mean, it's just insane when you look at all of the weapons that that team has. But on the flip side, their defense is giving up points. When it comes to fantasy football, you want to see the defense giving up points for a team because you want to see the games either close or you want to see the team so far behind that they have to do nothing but pass. Uh, Those are the kinds of options that I'm looking at. But we knew both of those matchups were juicy. Now, I did not play them both in the league where I had them both to play. Uh, Shane was sitting on my taxi squad still because all he did is put up six points and he was a healthy scratch week one. I said, I want to see a little something before I take him off the uh, the taxi squad because I I look at the taxi squad as a free space on a team. And I load it up with rookies, and I just wait for those rookies to develop, and then I play them. I don't care if I get stuck with a game like that where he had just this, uh, you know, unbelievable point total, mainly because I had Mostert in the game, so it didn't cost me anything. But, uh, you know, yes, you could kind of see that coming. Wilson was still out. Yeah, Salvin Ahmed was out as well. That was the other other running back possibility. Waddle was out, so you knew that they were going to be throwing to the backs a little bit more. They knew they were going to be running against the Denver Broncos defense that – Quite frankly, Professor, they don't they don't look like they're even interested in playing football this year. It's it's sad to see a Sean Payton team that has this low of energy. Maybe they need that commercial. Maybe they need to talk to uh, that old baseball player. It was at the the big hurt. Uh, he's always talking about low T. Maybe they need to give a whole bunch of that drug. <laughs> That supplement to the Denver Broncos defense because they just had nothing. And I don't see any hope for having anything in the future. Oh, goodness. Uh, It reminded me of some of the Saints teams, the no defense and just keep passing and hoping you win. And uh, I've, I've lived through a lot of that with the Saints would do that. They wouldn't have a strong defense. And now this year, they kind of flipped the script up. They got a good defense, uh, but uh, just can't get that quarterback going for them. And my car uh, got injured in Winston, and it just all crumbled against Green Bay. So I'm, I'm a Saints fan, and it was sad to see them crumble Good for Green Bay, but uh, it's the Aints are coming back. I think. But <laughs> yeah, I think Sean Payton doesn't mind that as much as you think he does. I think if he's got getting Wilson shooting, you know, a shoot off, shootout kind of thing, he he figures he can win enough of those in the building. It's just I don't know long term does he think. Wilson's the answer, or is he just trying to, you know, slowly change it all around? I I don't know, or maybe he, you know, he's just out of it now and just taking the money. I don't, 
it's hard to guess what's going on there, but I agree they they looked uh, sad. I, that's what I'm going to say. They look sad. And this, and I don't, I don't know where that comes from. This week they go from one of the weakest defenses in the league with Denver to a pretty good mm-hmm. defense in Buffalo, but you can still get big plays on Buffalo. You can get still those big gainers. So that's going to be an interesting game uh, this weekend mm-hmm. to watch with, with uh, Miami at Buffalo and yeah. should be an, inter- we'll talk about should that. be an entertaining yeah. game. And we'll, we'll talk about that, of course, on the science Friday. of fantasy football on Friday. Saturday so, or yeah. Saturday. Check that out. But here on the data lab on for frequency sake, Oh my goodness. Mm-hmm. We're going to be talking about a lesson that is very important to learn because right now, Professor, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. the tight end six in the league. Tight end six after three weeks. And you know how I feel about total points. Mm-hmm. They're a lazy stat. They're a deceiving stat. Donald yeah. Parham, who's actually mm-hmm. on some of my best ball teams okay. because he was a free square at tight end. But Donald Parham had two catches for two touchdowns last week. He's tight end six, five points behind Kelsey. Please, if you learn anything here on the Data Lab, don't chase points, chase volume. This idea of negative regression to the mean really is a thing. In real football as well as fantasy football, look at the Minnesota Vikings last year. They won so many close games. They had an obscene record in close games and won 13 games on the season, but they were in so many one-score games, and they came out on the winning side on almost all of them. This year, they're 0 for 3 in one-possession games. It comes back to the mean, Professor, so what we need to be chasing is volume, and to chase volume, you need to get snaps And when it comes to snap data, I don't think anybody has a study as good as yours. Well, I do different things. And so I kind of mentioned this uh, last week a little bit, Dennis, and I'm going to show you. And this is still not sure what it all means yet, but uh, looking at a tale of the top half of the league in the bottom half, I looked at something called uh, average player snaps and uh, I divided the league into two. And of those teams that had high average player snaps, I looked at their yards per game average last three games. And I did the same thing for the bottom 16 teams as average player snaps and yards per game. And Dennis, I'm sharing you the figure. And I guess I should have showed the main figure here. Yeah, this, I probably should make this a figure here. But the teams with the high average player snaps, New England, Philadelphia, Rams, uh, Indianapolis, Minnesota, Baltimore, Detroit, and Cleveland. 
and lo and behold, they put out a lot of, uh, uh, of the higher yards per game. But I decided to just look at the top and the bottom. When you're doing tests and stats, you can just divide your, your big sample group into two. So I looked at the top 16 teams uh, and then the bottom 16 and looked at yards per game. And you can see this figure that I was showing you. The red are the low 25% in the league yards per game averages. And the top is, and, and green is the uh, top 25%. And you can see a big difference there, Dennis, in the top and the bottom. And the average is in the top half of the league uh, as far as average uh, player snaps, yards per game, 663. If you were on the bottom 16, those teams' average yards per game was 301. And if you look at the box and whisker and look at those two populations, looks like a big difference to me by 60-yard difference there. So if we can predict, and this is where the back study has to occur probably over the season, if I could predict uh, average player snaps going forward, then if you could, if you're right, then you've got a plus 60 yards per game average for that team. And that would be a, probably a good team to have a lot of players from, right? Those top teams would probably be to your advantage, or at least you'd be fishing in a, you know, there's more fish in this pond than in a, the lower pond. But I was, I'm still not sure what all this means. I'm just going to track this throughout this year and then do a lot of the good work past. So having an, an average player snaps, and there are, and if you look at the data, the counts of the players, there was some type of uh, maybe having some of the high uh, numbers of players on these teams getting snaps. There's something going on there because I have a column here, count of players. And that's suspicious as well. I just haven't figured it all out yet. And average scoring per snap, is uh, maybe a little different as well. So I just, um, I haven't put all this together yet, but, but there's some secrets here, but it looks like at least 60 yards difference in the top and the bottom uh, of the league here. And that's a lot of, uh, that's a lot of yardage and catches and whatnot that could, you know, make your team better or worse. And so I'm not sure I can tell you what to do with it yet. I'm just tracking it. This is a beta study. This is the data lab. Part of your lab work is to follow things in beta time or beta testing. You don't just immediately jump into some place you don't know what's going on, right? You don't know if there's a landmine there. It's just, I'm going to sit back and watch this and, and, you know, maybe talk a little bit about it. So, Dennis, I don't know what you're thinking, but that's that's this 
data here and I'm just trying to figure, I'm still trying to figure out what it all means. Well, here's one thing that it means. It means you have a 20% less chance to get yards if you're in that second group. So you want players that are going to be gaining yards. Okay. You gain yards, you get a better chance at a touchdown. This is not rocket science. It's just very easy, logical deduction. So when I look at a study like this, I also want to see how does this fluctuate per week based on Mm -hmm. defensive matchup. And that's where your defense against position data. Yeah, I need to tie it together. We can go ahead and insert that in here. But what I love about this study, Professor, is this shows how science works. So many fantasy analysts out there, they grab a take. I love (laughs) the Miami Dolphins, okay? And they can be dead on right to love the Miami Dolphins. But you ask him why, and you say, well, they score a lot of points. Okay, great. Why do they score a lot of points? Well, they like got a lot of great players. Okay, but how do you know they're going to score a lot of points that they have a lot of offensive plays? Like, if they're on the field more often than the other guys, they've got a great chance to score points. Plus, I'm also interested to see what happens to the production of other teams' offenses when they go up against a juggernaut like this and they're losing the time of possession battle by two to one? How does that affect their fantasy production? So there are a lot of questions that come out. The first test is, there's 20 to 25% difference in these two populations. There's juice there. There's juice in the orange. You can feel that orange, and it's a heavy orange. It's got a lot of juice in it. Now you got to just figure out the best way to extract the most juice from that big orange. You can well. squeeze it. And that's <laughs> just kind of like the basics. Or you can get some heavy machinery involved and get every little bit and strain out the pulp and strain out the the seeds and get the maximum juice. And that's how science works. You've got to do more studies. Once you see there's something there, then you go about seeing how, how reliable is this data. And if it's reliable, then now that we've got this past data, Can we use it to forecast the future? Because that's the key. It's great to know where you went, but you got to know where you're going. And if you can forecast these 25% differences in usage, my goodness, Professor, we're going to make a lot of money. Uh, Well, it's it's definitely going to be uh, something I'll do in off-season, and we'll talk about just like a lot of the other studies I've done I use uh, last year's data to predict this year so if you go back and you can look say 2013 does that predict 14 does 14 predict 15 and you could then gauge the level of success in those predictions and you can apply statistics and you can say, 
this is not random or mm, this could be random. So I can't depend on it. And that's the bottom line is you, you've got to go through the process to see, can you rely on this? Uh, football is a lot of variation, as you know, weekly, your weekly AU's my com. We're all talking variation. Things are changing. It's not the same two teams playing 17 times in the same field, in the same weather, in the same, you know, day. You know, it's all sorts of variation. And it's just anything like that is tough. But you you got to have some expectation that, you know, I'm 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 shooting more live rounds than I am blanks. And so over enough time, I'm probably going to, you know, succeed versus fail. And that's what I think fantasy drafting and playing and waiver wires and, and in dynasty, the trades, you get that going and you apply your methodology and, uh, you know, hopefully you come out. And again, you might even vary, have good years and bad years. Uh, you know, in horse racing, some years I've, I've, I've owed the tax man money. Other years I haven't. And of course, the government, you can't write off your losses, but uh, they want their cut of the winnings. And I do think that sucks. So if I was ever president, that'd be the first tax law change. If you go and gamble, you should be able to deduct your losses even past your wins. But hey, you know, that's, I know, I know. You shouldn't be gambling. That's bad. No, we should be gambling. Every day's a gamble, right? You get in your car. That's a gamble. You don't know what's going to happen. So anyway, uh, Dennis, when you, I'll vote for you if, if that's your platform. Gamblers get to deduct their losses. Okay, on their taxes. My my platform is is really simple. I do away with okay. I do away with taxes, and there we go. And I, I just like and I just go to fees for using services, and and that's it, folks. You know, maybe uh, you should do fantasy politics or something. You know, <laughs> and you know, just drop. You know, put them on your taxi squad if you don't like them. I'm sorry, sir. You'll have to step down from the podium. You're now on the taxi squad of the U.S. Senate. Uh, the people have spoken. So, yeah, it would probably be interesting if we could do that. I'm sorry we're having to let you go. You're above the cap space. Don't get me going on that. But anyway, that is my first aspect. This uh, report, I'm hoping I'll have parts of it out, certainly by, this should be done by, let's see, tomorrow. what is tomorrow? Thursday? Today, Wednesday? Yes. Is yeah, today's yep, Wednesday. We're recording on a Wednesday. I, yeah, yeah, I don't know what day it is. <laughs> uh, I'm you know, all I'm I get into the data and I have to kind of back out. It's like bobbing for apples and you're so focused, he's like, I don't want, need to breathe. I want to get the apple. And you have to kind of pull yourself out. And that's kind of what I do. I get into this data. But anyway, I've I've also got this these other aspects of, of uh, snaps as far as team usage. I don't know if you want to 
move to that next? Or yeah, what, what let, you want let's, to do? let's dig into that data. Okay. So these figures here, I looked at every team's RB, tight end, wide receiver, and found out based on distribution of snaps uh, how the team uses that whole group. And again, I go top down. I think if you understand a team's philosophy of usage, then player usage maybe is more enlightening. In other words, why do they use this guy but not that? You know, I mean, if you're the one alpha and say the wide receiver, but the rest of them are not used, I mean, that's good to know. Versus if everybody used the same amount, you need to know that as well. It's kind of the backfield by committee for running backs. Do we have a bell cow or not? That's very important to know how do teams distribute the workload, as it were, the volume, as, as Dennis likes to do. And so every week I try to update based on snaps here. And then I go further. I look at that percentage. I, you know, I say if you add up the RB, the tight end, the wide receiver, and they all equal 100% of the workload, I throw the quarterback out. Uh, then how does that compare to the league? In other words, does Arizona use their running backs uh, higher, lower, or about the same versus the other 31 teams? And so you lose a little distribution little metrics there and so i apply a color red is low green is high and no color means kind of average so i've got each team the usage and then the color and then i graphed it in a bar graph and i've got some kind of marker lines across the the percent usage and you could see how teams running backs tight ends and wide receiver usage stack up across the league so in a nutshell you can tell the story overall of each team and so i was using arizona uh the rbs are at 23 percent which is low uh, tight ends are average at 36% of the snaps and wide receivers are at 42, which is high. So they overuse the wide receivers, underuse, even with Connor, they underuse uh, uh, the running backs. So that kind of shows what's going on now. I mean, if it dramatically changes, then you will see that shift over time. And so I use that to kind of think about waiver wires. And for instance, Arizona starting to use more, more wide receivers. That's I'm looking a little bit deeper. A lot of the, the main one or two are probably taken, but is there any meat on the bone on some of the third or fourth picks? I don't know. I'll, but this tells me to go look in there versus Atlanta which their running backs, 35%, extremely low, Dennis. So I, Drake London, I'm sorry people drafted. Hollins is number two. Oh. I wouldn't even dream of going beyond 
Hollins. In fact, I probably have even dropped Hollins, except, you know, in best ball, you don't get to do that. But, you know, in retrospect, we should have kind of realized that. And some of us did. I didn't draft Drake London at all based on Ritter's and the team's usage last year. But they love their running backs and highly use them. And they use their tight ends a lot. It's just their tight ends are not scoring. And uh, I, I kind of looked ahead because I knew I was going to use these two examples. Uh, Kyle Pitts is in a snap count or a snap fight with Johnu Smith. Can yeah. you imagine? Yeah. And wow. so how sad is that? You're on the right team as far as snap usage, but now you've got, you know, you but you're, you're being cut out of the pie and you've got, uh, you know, the running backs are running the show there, not the passing. So it, it's a train wreck there if you drafted Pitts or Drake London right now, and I don't see it changing. And if I do see it changing, then – you know, you, you'll catch it on your snap changes here. Here's the crazy. So that's, here, yeah. Here's so the, that, that, yeah, go ahead. Here's the crazy thing when it comes to Atlanta. They played yeah. four different tight ends, two of the three games. Mm-hmm. That's insane. When you've got yeah. a guy like Kyle Pitts and he's playing less than 70% of the snaps, he's right around 70% of the snaps. That guy should never be off the field if he's as great as we think he is, but he's clearly not good at some of the things they expect from their tight ends because they're playing Michael Pruitt and Jono Smith ahead yeah. of, of Kyle Pitts. And and yeah. we saw this coming with the wide receivers. The question, oh, uh, yeah. the question was, who's going to be the number two wide receiver for Atlanta, and my answer was, I don't care. Yeah, because like, you don't want him. I don't care. He's not going to be on the field enough and not going to be targeted enough for me to even care, and that has been the case. When you can spot some of these trends and some of these things, Rondale Moore I didn't expect to get as many snaps as he's getting. Now that he's getting more snaps – Maybe now he's a full-fledged wide receiver instead of a gimmick play guy. Maybe that's a guy that's worth picking up if he's still available in your league as a spot starter during bye weeks. This data, this snap usage data is so useful, and most of it will be very useful for next year in making sure we refine our draft strategies even more. Oh, we definitely will, Dennis. I, I did that. So is there any team besides Kansas City you want me to look at? Oh, I I really do want to look at Kansas City because – Look at what they're doing, just like Atlanta. Yeah. RB, tight end, let's forget about – look at 32%. That is so, so, so low. And, in fact, if you want to see how low, Dennis, I've got all the positions broken down. And I've got that this bar graph, and look who's at the bottom of the league in wide receiver snap usage as a group, Kansas City, right there with the New York Giants. If if you know, it is clear Kansas City loves McKinnon and Kelsey, and it looks like they're not you know 
overly enamored with the wide receiver. That is just not their number one or two in, in the game plan. 11, and I think you could start predict that, yeah. 11 different players caught passes from Mahomes or Gabbert last week. And they play, every week, they play six different wide receivers. And last week, nobody played more than 65% of the snaps. Yep. That's that's incredible. When you look at, when you yep. break the data down, mm-hmm. you realize why you don't care if you own any of these guys in yep. redraft or dynasty. I I said at the beginning of the year, I'm a there's not a bigger Kansas City Chief fan in fantasy football. I said best ball only for me. Yeah. And, and look at we were all over uh like uh, JK Osborne. Look look at Minnesota's oh, yeah. number 4 in the league in wide receiver usage. And I love Tyler Boyd as my three. I drafted him in best ball everywhere. Number one, Cincinnati. And Thielen, look here, in the the top eight or nine in the league. So that's still useful. And with Andy Dalton, and and I ask you that question, does Andy Dalton make him better? And look at the Carolina, 42% wide receivers. So, that's a ghost signal for me. And even Mingo, even though he dropped snaps last week, has my attention as well. And Carolina, poor Hayden Hurst, you won't talk about it. <laughs> 21% tight end usage. <sighs> I did not draft Hayden Hurst this year. And this is why. Because historically, Carolina's been one of the worst in the league in tight end usage and that hasn't changed and I, it's sad I, it's sad i liked hayden hurst this year i drafted oh, some I of him, him as a late guy but you're right he's had one game over 60 percent of the snaps this year yeah. and yeah. you compare that remember how i talked about nobody on kansas city took more than 65 percent of its team's offensive snaps Yep. Jordan Addison as the third wide receiver, 91% or 71% of the snaps last week. KJ mm-hmm. Osborne, 93. Yep. And Justin Jefferson, 95. And you could pick it out with this data. Yes. You see, you are. So, what this does, it like steers you. It's like, is that, you know, you're at a fork in the road. Every draft decision is a fork in the road if you want to make it simple. Do I need to go down here and see what's at the end? Or it's like, mm, it's there's too much gravel and holes in the road. I'm going elsewhere. So I tried to use that in my drafting. And, and uh, you know, besides the comps and, and, and Dennis's weekly values and I'm very interested about your MVP data, I'm sure I'm hoping that will help us next year. So we'll be all into that, folks. That's the fantasy foot science of fantasy football. Dennis's weekly values, consistency metric, and his MVP metric that he's beta testing this year is all up there for you to grab. Editor still mad at him. He's giving <laughs> it away for nothing. 
just like, you know, beads at the Mardi Gras party, just throw it all out. And, you know, we get nothing in return but slings and arrows on Twitter when, you know, Dennis says a few, you know, kind of cranky words on <laughs> total points are deceiving and everybody gets cranky. So uh, I don't know what to say. Anyway, check his article out. It's up. The editor posted it uh, this week and and uh, looks pretty good. I, I do approve of the editor's visualization of your metrics. It's pretty good. Oh, the, so Kansas City, who else you want to see? You want to look at Miami? Let's, or? let's take a look at another one of the, the poorer passing teams. How about Tennessee? Oh, I'm really interested to Tennessee. see how bad their data has gotten because everybody's well, here, gaga about, uh, uh, about DeAndre Hopkins, and I don't see it. Well, here's the as a group, they're at forty one percent, kind of in the middle. That's high. That's yep. well, little, it's it's little higher it's, than it's me. High. Little higher than yep. me. Yep. Yeah. In fact, it's all average. Tennessee is kind of average. So is Washington as far as these overall metrics. By the way, Dennis is hinting that. This is the first stop. It doesn't mean this is the end of your investigation. This data should lead you to further investigation. It doesn't mean you stop. Oh, okay. I, I think I understand Tennessee. No, here's the frame, but now you've got to go look at the picture. So I can pull up, Dennis, if we want to look at the exact snack, snaps, and I guess you've got that data. Sounds like you were quoting some of that. Uh, you know, 36 for Burks, uh, Westbrook Aquina, 39, Hopkins, 35. I mean, it looks like a 1A, B, and C. And I don't think Hopkins signed up for to be the 1C. I'm just surprised he hasn't got cranky about it. So maybe he doesn't need the spotlight, but. So, so what that's they're, that's how I read this from week three. So, what they're clearly doing here, professors, they're giving him some of the obvious run situations off. But when you give a big guy a big target on that defense, sees Hopkins go to the sideline, they're mm-hmm. thinking running play. And yeah. so, what what teams do is they defeat themselves without thinking about it. They just want to keep Hopkins fresh. They know they're going to run the ball, so they want to get their big guys. I mean, Traylon Burks is a big guy. The, the Hoosier hyphen is not a small guy. Uh, Westbrook uh, Heen, I call him the Hoosier hyphen because he was from the University of Indiana. But, you know, you look at these guys, and they're pretty good pass. They're, they're pretty good blockers in the running game for, for wide receivers. And then they also loading up on some of the tight ends. So, you look at this situation and you go, if I'm the defensive coordinator and I see Hopkins out of the game, I'm thinking run. And I guarantee that they've broken down the film and they see that when Hopkins is out, 80% of the time they're running the ball. Teams are doing the right thing, trying to keep guys fresh, but they're tipping their hand. Just like the Kansas City Chiefs offensive line is tipping its hand on running plays when the right tackle actually lines up on the line of scrimmage. 
when he is yeah. back off the line of scrimmage and he's dangerously close to getting a penalty and he got flagged three times last week, that's a passing down. And everybody in the league is seeing this. If you don't make the adjustments, it's like being a horrible poker player. You're showing your tells. And that's what Tennessee is doing, and that's why they're struggling. But this data is fascinating, Professor. It gets us thinking. It gets us understanding, maybe here in the beta test mode, who we might want to trade away. If they have a hot game. Oh, definitely. If if I'm sitting there with Hopkins on my team and he has a big game, he puts up 20 points, I'm dealing him. I'm I'm trying to deal him. Yeah, yeah. And – Uh, So once we get to the team, the positional level, then I drop to the player level. I look at weeks one, two, and three, the average. And of course, I've got it colorized, you know, highs and And then I have difference. So I look at week three and compared it to week one and two as an average. So I like to, instead of just comparing week three to two, I actually, in this case, did week one and two, got an average, and then compared that to week three. So next week, week four, I'll do week one and two versus week three and four. I try to kind of add extra data points, as you know, that strengthens conclusions, you know, anytime you up the sample sizes and the... uh, where you're uh, sampling your data from. But Henry, I guess, got hurt last week. Is that what happened? Uh, he only got 18 he snaps. Was just, yeah, he was just not as good as he yeah. was. Well, that, they were throwing yeah, a that's lot. That's not good. They were throwing yeah, a lot. That was, and Spears yeah, that's just game. not good. If you drafted Henry, uh, week one, 30, week two, 46, which is adequate. It's never enough, right? And then week three, 18. So uh, I had Henry as a really good comp play. And if his season is like this, that number is going to go down. And that may be be some sadness on the horizon for the king here. Uh, You know, if if he can't, you know, get get back more consistent. That's that's bad. Chiggy, I really thought he was a great tight end too. He's just not scoring his and his snap count 52, 45, 39. It's it's sad. And, 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 uh, and here's what's even, sad. Here's what's even more sad is if you look at their week uh one, two, and three, most teams average about 65, 67 offensive snaps a game. That's based on the last three years of data that I've looked at. Tennessee was pretty close to average, a little below average week one, 63. Week two, 65. Week three, 48 total Who who did they play last week? So 48 total snaps. Is is just absolutely sad, and they played the Cleveland Browns. So, which what... is the toughest defense by my new snap data? So, isn't that? I think we can in, uh, illuminate some of this by 
overlaying the DAP data that I we talk about in the other podcasts and shows. And, and Cleveland's I, the toughest defense. And I think when you see that sort of data show up, you can use that in your daily and games and also your matchup data because mm-hmm. if I'm going against a tough defense, it's going to have mm-hmm. to be Superman out there to play mm-hmm. unless I got nothing else. So this mm-hmm. week they get Baltimore. I don't like the Baltimore running backs. I'm not crazy about anybody on Baltimore except Lamar Jackson and Mark mm-hmm. Andrews, and I mm-hmm. was kind of out on Jackson at his cost, so I don't have any of him in my my one-year yeah, leagues. Uh-huh. So this is a lean week to load up. I would avoid my Baltimore Ravens <laughs> in weekly fantasy because we've seen what that Cleveland defense can do. Boy, it's tough. They just yeah. turn it into a very mucky game. It's just yeah. a, it's an ugly game to watch is what they do. And this isn't just one week of doing this because your data shows that that's been the trend. Weeks. Yeah. And I've, I, I've now using the first three weeks, not using any of 2022. So it's going to be a lot of variation, but I, I just can't stand not to start using what at least we're seeing and kind of be a little bit conservative. And we'll be talking about that in uh, our, you know, weekend podcast. We'll we'll hit the squirrels and husky games, the good and the bad, and uh, we'll figure that out. And I'll put those uh, static images up on the science and fantasy so people can see the, the, the uh, you know, what Vegas thinks and, and the defense against position. It's updated and not used in 2022 here. Fantastic data is always, Professor. Nobody mm-hmm. has broken down the snap data with as much detail as you. And this is just a beta test, folks. So stay For tuned. Yeah. Stay tuned here on the Data Lab on For Frequency Sake and head on over to the science of fantasyfootball.com where you can check out mm-hmm. all this data and more, as well as our two other weekly podcasts. And of course, Professor, head on back yep. here next week to For Frequency Sake for another edition of the Data Lab. Get to work, folks.